2019. I'm Justin Boyd. And I'm Grant Grissom. And if you heard Justin chuckle in that intro there, it's because I realized I had none of my research tabs <laughs> open. <laughs> We had to switch computers because we just we just did like a solid like fifteen minute yeah, take. We just did like half of the podcast, and Grant's Chromebook is having an aneurysm. <laughs> You're the one who wanted to use it. Um, so basically, it only recorded two minutes of the entire thing. We we're just talking without anything. So I'm watching this recording like a hawk. So you better be. Basically, I won't actually be looking at my research doc at all. I'm just gonna wing it. All right. Oh gosh. Um, oh, wait. You can't. I don't like reusing jokes. I know. Because we did like a whole bit where we talked about the cheese balls. Yeah, we talked about our snack of the week, which is world famous. Which does it actually say what? No, it says baked cheddar. Oh, it's cheese balls. UTZ. You're showing it to the microphone. Like, I am it's a showing camera. it to the microphone. It's like my child. It's like, yes, it's Jonathan. He enjoys basketball. His prep school was very expensive, so he's not going to fail English this six weeks. That's right, Jonathan. What are you doing, Grant? <laughs> Dina started playing. <laughs> God, this is a botched recording. Oh, God. Um, we, can pab- we can publish this. Publish? <laughs> this is fine. We're slightly delusional because we're hey. super mad angry that we screwed up that Dude, I'm so mad. We could have, like, first tried that. Unlike last week where it's we took, so like, hard. 14 because Grant kept choking on his popcorn. It was delicious. Dude, my lord. Dude, I put way too much salt in that popcorn. Like, my mouth was dry for, I like, told you. Days. I told you the butter and salt were not a good combination. It wasn't that bad. All right. All right, first topic. First topic. Malaria. Me too. Malaria. <laughs> Can you get to it? <laughs> I'm here. Hold on. I had okay. God, so so bad. Let me chew my cheese balls. Um, I'm chewing. Man, this is gonna be like our worst episode. Oh yeah, it is. <laughs> All right. So Burkina Faso, everyone's favorite West African country. Um, I'm assuming, opinions. <laughs> I'm assuming that like most people don't know where Burkina Faso is because Grant didn't and Googled it during like. Mid-Bucos. Yeah. So it is underneath Mali, which... That's the one everyone knows. Yeah, I don't know. Really. I know. No one really knows where Mali is. It's I don't above know. Cote d'Ivoire. It's above Ghana. People yeah, if they don't know where Mali is, they aren't going to know where Cote, Cote d'Ivoire, d'Ivoire is. Cote d'Ivoire. Just say Ivory Coast. Stop being French. Cote d'Ivoire. It was a French colony. They speak French, Grant. You gotta be We're a British colony. I don't speak British. <laughs> 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 okay, Grant. So, Burkina Faso. Uh, basically has a really bad malaria problem. And, you know, because of that mosquito problem. Because they have lots of... Well, not because of the malaria. It's that we, oh, yeah. they have a malaria problem because, because, because of mosquitoes. Of the mosquito yes. And they're vectoring it around Africa like yeah, the plague. Yeah, exactly. Which it kind of is. It. Yeah, it is. <laughs> basically. <laughs> so, um, Burkina Faso was, has been a place for a lot of, like, anti-mosquito rallies. Um, anti-mosquito <laughs> testings. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, like... Um, like netting, right? Like bed netting. Yeah, it's like, like the net you put. Like and like when you go to camp and stuff, they'll have it around beds. And yeah, like especially if you go into like you know jungles and stuff with lots of mosquitoes. Yes. Like if you're in hammock, jungles in Texas. Yeah, <laughs> jungles in Texas. If you have like a hammock and you'll put like a net over it to keep the mosquitoes out. Right. Um. So obviously the nets are the nets themselves are decent at physically keeping out mosquitoes, but um, in Burkina Faso they that was the first place they tested um, pesticide uh, nets, so they would like have the nets be, like, coated with pesticides. Right. So they wouldn't just keep the mosquitoes out. They would kill mosquitoes that touch the net. 
And that worked really well for a long time. It like reduced their mosquito populations. It reduced their malaria cases. But if we know anything about the environment, yes, it's yeah. always <laughs> improvise, adapt, overcome. <laughs> so now most of the mosquitoes that are left are immune to that pesticide. So that's that's great. Yeah. Um, so now they're looking for new solutions to their malaria problem that could potentially help the rest of the world. What's led a rise to this? Yes. So um, funguses. Everyone's favorite um, domain, a kingdom. <laughs> it, yeah, a kingdom. I don't think it's a domain. <laughs> kingdom, is it kingdom fungi? Is it kingdom fungi? <laughs> I don't. Fungi? Yeah, like G-A-E. I don't remember exactly what it's, it's called. It's fungi. But. I'm pretty sure it's kingdom fungi. Kingdom fungi? Yeah, because it's like Animalia. Yeah. Plantae. Bird. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Why was that so funny? <laughs> so, um, so basically, fungus has been used for like a really long time to uh, try to control like pest populations because fungus's whole like its whole shtick is that um, it, it like, like reduces like in a wide range. It like it reproduces spores that yeah, kind of yeah. cover a large area around mm -hmm. it. And so it kind of hits people. <laughs> it will, it hits, if, yes. if an animal is in close proximity, it will hit them. Yeah. So basically, they release spores. Spores are carried by the air, and they land on organisms. And then those spores, like, grow on those organisms and feed off their host to be able to grow up and then reproduce. And typically, this is, like, dead bodies. That's right. why you see, that's why fungus, fungus and bacteria are considered, like, decomposers. Because they'll land on organic matter that's dead, and they'll break it down and use it for themselves. They aren't able to survive. Not many funguses are able to survive on living organisms, right? Um, I, I it depends on the fungus because I know, like with humans, we can get fungus infections, like fungal infections. That's right, why we yeah. have like fungal cream, like um, athlete's foot is a fungal infection. Okay, and that's fungus living on and feeding off of like a human body, um, like a living human body. <laughs> <laughs> great, great things to listen to before you go to sleep. Um, <laughs> right? Yeah. So basically. These funguses, in the past, they've been used to um, fight all kinds of bugs, especially like malaria-carrying mosquitoes, because that's a big issue for, you know, the malaria countries of the world. Um, so, all right, for a long time, until like these tests that we've had recently in Burkina Faso with um, uh, mosquito sphere, um, the fungus has been ineffective because it doesn't kill the mosquitoes fast enough, so they're still able to transmit malaria, which defeats the entire purpose. Right, like they get they get they get the fungus on them, they still transmit vector, and then they die later. So it, it totally defeats the purpose of they still have time to reproduce and everything. Um, and then another problem for a long time was not being able to get enough spores on the mosquito. So spores are like single cellular, like a spore is a single cell, so it's tiny. Mm -hmm. So if like one or two of them like lands on a mosquito. It's not going to kill the mosquito. It might cause it some uncomfortableness <laughs> and like some problems later on, but it's a not going to be pinch. effective at all at actually really killing and deleting that mosquito from the the, uh, the malaria equation. Right. So the this research um, currently mosquito sphere um, is kind of their new attempt at getting um, fungus spores to kill mosquitoes. So basically what they did to um, get past the problem of not being able to kill quickly enough or not being able to get spores on is they, these are, this fungus is a GMO, so it's genetically modified to um, uh, kill quicker because it has been infused with a gene isolated from spider venom. Right. So basically 
the spider venom uh, activates when it touches um what was the word again when it makes contact with um the bug version of blood which is also known as let me find the word i found it before let me can't can't this is this is our game Oh, where is it? Where you is said it? it before. Um, 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 oh, hemolymph. I got it for you. I got it. Dang you. it! I wasn't looking at the yellow text. Um, hemolymph, uh, which is the bug version of blood. So this, this, uh, so one or two spores is like enough to kill them. So you don't have to get enough spores on them. You don't have to wait even for the spores to give them. So at this point, it really isn't the fungus. Killing. The fungus acts like a carrier. Yeah, the fungus is now like the vector of the spider venom. <laughs> It's like, you know, giving the mosquitoes a taste of their own medicine. So basically, the nice. Spider-Man does all the heavy lifting, and the fungus just kind of transports it to there. So um, this has been pretty effective so far in studies. So uh, what they've done so far to test it is they had three, like, containers. Not not like not like Tupperware containers, but like, like building containers. Okay. Like isolated <laughs> buildings, and they raised up a bunch of mosquitoes in them. And uh, after biting, like after biting a host, females like to rest on dark surfaces. Um, so what they did is they took black sheets of cotton and they had three different mixtures that they put on the cotton. They had they put just sesame oil on one as the control. So right. it's no fungus. Standard scientific yeah, procedure. exactly. There's nothing there fighting the mosquitoes. So that's what the mosquitoes would be without any intervention. Another one, they put wild mushrooms. So not genetically modified, actually killing like with the fungus. Um, <laughs> right. And not like optimized, you know, for, for like mosquitoes. 4K TVs, you know, not optimized for the mosquitoes. And then the, the TVs <laughs> for 4K TVs, you know. Oh, like, oh, like okay. you know how how you have that was a horrible you joke. have like your HD TV and then you're watching a non HD channel and it's like I think that pixel is the ball. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's like why did I spend this money? Anyways, um, wow. And then Justin's the third one TV, is man. the um, genetically modified fungus with the spider venom. Right. So. Let me, let me check their results here. Started out with um, 500 females and 1,000 male mosquitoes in each test compartment. And they uh, they sacrificed a calf um, in each container, yes. God. They put one calf in each container for them to feed off of, like, blood-wise, uh, for two nights every week. So after two generations, just 45 days, in the control container, the one with no, no fungus at all, there were um, 2,500 adult mosquitoes just in there that's disgusting that is gross that's nasty um and then in the wild fungus type vast improvement 700 still a lot still a lot of bugs still an uncomfortable amount of bugs but it's not like you know the air has been replaced by mosquitoes levels <laughs> of bugs and then in the uh, the gmo fungus the one with the um spider venom there were 13 mosquitoes left <laughs> Wow. So, um, yeah, it's it's effective. It works. Clearly, yeah. It kills mosquitoes. So, obviously, everyone's first instinct is to start spraying this on all the schools and buildings everywhere. Yeah, spray on your children. Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, just get it going. <laughs> but it's it's probably going to take a while before we see this used in greater scale, if at all. So, right. since these are genetically modified. It's kind um, of a touchy subject now. Because yeah. people are kind of hesitant about man sticking their hands and meddling with environmental affairs, even though we've been doing it since what the first agricultural hearth yeah. selective breeding. Basically all agriculture is just messing with nature. Right. But at this level of, um, 
like gene splicing, like going into the gene code, messing with it, people have problems with that. Right, which is understandable. Yeah, exactly. Because, um, you know, uh, taking cuttings of like a strawberry, like if you have a strawberry bush and it's making good strawberries, and you take like a clip of that strawberry bush and you plant it and that grows into another strawberry bush, they're technically clones of each other. They have the same genetic material. So that's technically cloning. However, you're not going into the genetic code. You're not messing with what makes the strawberry a strawberry. <laughs> right. You know? And so that, that's kind of a toughy subject. And it takes a long time for um, all of these like medical, like, like drugs. Drugs have to go through a massive amount of testing to mm -hmm. make sure they're safe and they're effective. They don't cause long-term like problems, like growing extra limbs. <laughs> Opening your third eye. <laughs> third eye on accident. Yeah. Um, uh, before they're like passed. So this is going to have to go through a lot of testing before it's safe because you don't want, we don't want this killing humans as well. The idea is it works only on mosquitoes, but it's very hard to prove that in a test environment. It's very hard to replicate the real world. Because so many things just happen in yeah. that said, in the actual reality of real yeah. world. We have so many variables in day-to-day -day life. Yep. That we can't really, you know, perfectly predict predict them or measure, size. or measure the outcome of them in a test environment. Mm. So this is going to take a lot of testing. Um, a lot of people are skeptical this will get out of the test phases just because of how variable the environment is and how many people are against GMO at this point. Yeah. So obviously it has its perks. It, you know, it slaughters mosquitoes like no one's business. <laughs> but... Right. We live. We live in a world, and Black that world. Life. That world got to have a rules. <laughs> so. So basically, moral of the story is wear your bug spray. Yep. And. And don't, get cancer don't from it just, anyway. just don't go to South America, Africa, or any country that isn't America. Wow. Or even America. We have. I think we have malaria too here. We. I know we did. We did for a while. Anyways, be careful of those bugs. We still have West Island stuff. Basically, <laughs> mosquitoes Zika. are just mosquitoes are just bad news. It's making. <laughs> Mosquitoes are just like the bug of Satan. They're just Satan in bug form. <laughs> TBH. All right. That's not even an opinion. That's just a fact. Yeah, that's a straight fact. Oh, well, I mean, there's probably like mosquito lovers out there. Ah, this got bad for them. Quick. <laughs> okay. Anyways, next topic, right? You want to take your topic next? Let's do my topic again next. because, yes. like, yeah, I don't want to talk for three hours. Too long. It wasn't that long. I interjected with some witty humor. <laughs> you call humor witty. Call your own humor witty, then it's not good. Anyway, so recently we had the anniversary of D-Day, June 5th. Oh, yes. That was that was a big deal. Mm -hmm. So I think, I guess in this bit, we're going to kind of go over the history of D-Day and then what people are doing to kind of honor and keep the whole spirit of the, you know, the whole American spirit and the whole allied forces spirit alive in the eyes of mm -hmm. our youth and people uh, that weren't there now. Yeah. Because we're losing, like, everyone that was there now. Yeah, cause, uh, just because of age and stuff. The only right. people that really left are, like, you know, the ones that enlisted at 18. That lied or or earlier that lied about their age, yeah. Yep, I actually have it. I had a dude, but, you know, he switched Chromebooks, so I don't have that link anymore. Nice. Hate you. Okay, so we'll go over the strength facts. Let's not do that. Let's do... Okay, no, let's do that. Where are you? January 1944, General Dwight Eisenhower was appointed commander of Operation Overlord. Daddy this Eisenhower. was an Eisenhower. I was Eisenhower for the Cape Granger oh Living Museum. That's great year. Dope, yeah. Dude, se senior season for elementary school. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that was, that was cool. Um, so Operation Overlord was the code name for DA. 
and D-Day's kind of seen as like this, I don't know what to call D-Day. It's like, it was kind of like, it was kind of one of the big turning points. It was huge. You're right. Yeah. It was, yeah. Germany was kind of seen as winning the war at that point. Yes. Before that. Cause they had Germany was doing pretty well. Cause they, they, obviously they took over a ton of stuff before they were pushed back. Yeah. They had a bunch of territory in Africa. Yeah. France was just theirs. Yeah, exactly. And basically. They were taking over Russia for a bit too, weren't they? Uh-huh. So D-Day was kind of like, you know, the real like the beginning of the, like the end for Germany, pretty much at least on the uh, west. It was front. the turning point. Yeah, on the eastern front, it was just winter because Germany like didn't know what the cold was, and then yeah, Russia and was, just, was like, like, just keep going. Welcome, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, back to D Day. Big part of D Day was the whole misdirection and um, oh yes, and what's the right word I'm looking for? Um, uh, um, deception tactics. Deception, there yes. we go. So a big part, Justin likes talking about this, yes, I was do. the Phantom Army mm-hmm. that George Patton was George yes, Patton sir. was commanded of. I was Patton in the fifth grade <laughs> living museum. Did you talk about this? Do you, the little third graders understand this? Probably not. I don't think the little third graders understood anything we were saying, but that's okay. Good point. So the whole deal behind this was uh, the Allied forces wanted to establish a fake army that mm-hmm. Germany thought was going to invade Normandy. Yes. So to do this, the Allied forces set up inflatable like mm-hmm. army soldiers and tanks and all this different infantry. It was like what the clowns at the carnivals give your little kids, except, you know, like tanks and like planes and that kind of thing. It was based in England, right next to, right in the, um, what's that straight called? I don't remember. You would want to research this. Oh, uh, shoot. Basically, there's... Near Poste Callis. Yes. So in the English Channel, there is one point, say the word again. Pas de Calais. Yes. Um, the narrowest point English between Britain and France. that word. Shh. Anyway, so it's the narrowest point across the English Channel, and that's where they're going to try to make it seem like they're going to attack, because that's the logical place to attack. It's right, because it's, it's you no know, time distance. So yeah, so Patton had his phantom, phantom regiment, um, <laughs> and basically they would move around all of the, the fake... The inflatable tanks and stuff to make it off look the like pressure. Yeah, yeah so the German spy planes, it looked like it was a fully functional operational base, right. and it was effective. It made Germany. Yeah. It really had no idea what was going to happen. Yeah, it was for really the invasion. In and that was a that was a huge part. Like we needed that, because mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that how instead of like just completely going silent from Germany, we just established all these crazy things. Mm-hmm. So we we're trying a, to like keep what we were actually doing. We just gave them a ton of stuff we weren't doing. Right. We gave a bunch of double agents, fraudulent radio commissions, yeah, and a bunch of yeah, a bunch of fake equipment and stuff, just to give off the impression of what actually wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. Then there was the famous weather delay. Oh yeah. Eisenhower selected June fifth, nineteen forty four, as the date for the invasion. However, bad weather on the days leading up to the operation caused it to be delayed for twenty four hours. Then, on the morning of June fifth, after his meteorologist predicted improved conditions for the following day, Eisenhower gave the go ahead for Operation Overlord. That'd be it was terrifying jokes. to be a military like meteorologist. That's my joke. <laughs> no, but yeah, it would it would be terrifying because the whole basis of an invasion is based off what you say is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And meteorology is such a like anything could happen. Yeah, exactly. Meteorologists get paid to be wrong. Right. Yeah. So when you <laughs> when you are getting paid in like the blood of your soldiers to be right, <laughs> it's like. You gotta know whether the hurricane's coming or not. Like, exactly. If yeah. you're wrong, it's over. It's, yeah, it's... <laughs> Mother Nature is still every army's greatest enemy. But then when, when we did land, uh, there was the British and Canadians mm-hmm. who overcame light opposition on the beaches, Conan Gold, yeah. Juno, Sword, and then the Americans facing light opposition at Utah Beach. 
And then there was Omaha, mm. where t- we had two over 2,000 American casualties that day. Crazy. It's like they only fortified like. Especially when only four, only more than four thousand Allied troops lost their lives. Exactly, that's like, like half. half of them came from one beach. <laughs> right, and those light oppositions though are largely due to their misinformation tactics, though. Definitely, because they right. had they like Germany. If we had attacked where they thought we were going to attack, it would have been over. Point, it, would, it would not have happened. They had just machine gunned us. Yeah, done. Hitler had put almost all of his troops because he had like that, that. He had that like stone bunker wall. Yes, because they brought the, the wall entire, across the like, keyboard. Yep. Yep. So, um, yeah. all right. So now let's talk about the. Uh, you want the next topic? I, you want to talk about the anniversary? We can just do like a really like, small do, cover. Yeah, we got, okay. Yeah, small. so what they did for the anniversary yeah. instead of like the historical context. Oh, you didn't mention the paratroopers. Oh yeah, the paratroopers that happened the day before, right? Yeah. So the kind of everyone's bought. kind of image of D-Day is kind of the Saving Private Ryan image, you know? Right. Pulling up on the amphibious boats, dropping down, everyone gets a machine gun in front of you and you crawl out. Mm-hmm. Um, the little, like, metal you know, The beaches. Yeah. The, uh, the tank stoppers. Yeah. And everyone kind of forgets about the paratroopers. Um, because right. there were, like, how many planes were there? Like, 11,000 planes? Yeah, probably. Let me operating I think during... I think I remember 12,000. 12,000? A lot of thousands <laughs> of... Uh, planes operate during D-Day, like, at the same time that they're landing on the beaches, they were dropping, like, paratroopers in, like, inland Germany, and that was that was kind of a mess, wasn't it? Oh, it was a hugely botched operation, because the technology was, like, slightly advanced yeah. enough to where we had no idea what we were doing. Yeah. And because, you know, Germany's firing at us the entire time, so we're kind of like, okay. Yeah, basically they, like, had their, like, their mother's, like, tablecloths strapped to their back. Right. And they just kind of like, jumped out of planes. With, like, uh, what are the string do they use for knitting? Knitting? Yarn? Yeah, they had like yarn strings. Did they actually? No. When <laughs> <laughs> you said the mother's tablecloth thing, so I was trying to like, you know, match Tie it in. Basically, they just Tie it in. Really, that was like the first major paratrooper operation. Right, because really. we didn't, like, we didn't do that. No one had done that before. It was like yeah. a new thing. That's insane. And they don't really get talked about, so we wanted to mention them, because they don't get appreciated. Right, so... Well, nobody's really alive that was doing that now. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of people out there. They yeah. don't listen to our podcast, though. Exactly. They don't listen to our podcast. <laughs> right. Sad days. Anyways. All right. So well, let's talk about what hap- what's happening. Okay. Yeah. So here's just one thing that's happening that I just was found off of Google. <laughs> On June 5th, 2019, the Dax over Normandy event will follow into the footsteps of the greatest generation. About 250 men and women will board an aircraft in the United Kingdom too, exactly like 75 years before, fly across the English Channel and to jump onto the historic drop zones of Normandy. They will be wearing World War II style Allied uniforms and will jump military round parachutes. It will be an event which has no equal. It's basically just how the how the area the Normandy area mm-hmm. is celebrating this heritage. Because I know they're working really hard over there to preserve. Right, it is a historical site. UNESCO is a World Heritage Site. Can see they have, yeah. they put in uh, D-Day landing beaches to include in the UNESCO list of World Heritage Sites. Because now that we're kind of losing the people, we don't want to lose the history. Right, you know? we Which don't want to. Good, we need that. Mm-hmm. We need to remember where we come from. Yeah, and that was a huge part of everyone's history because the the world was involved. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, Dwight Eisenhower famously said, "The eyes of the world are upon me." The street has its eyes on you. Was that wrong? <laughs> no, that that was that was the um. That was the Hamilton quote. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we have like six and a half minutes left. 
So I'm not sure how I'm going to cram this topic in there. You said it was small. It's not that small. All right. Canadian oh, shoot. It's, it's not it's small. Not small. Okay. okay, so this might be a little rushed, but we're going to see how this goes. It's going to be like us rapping, basically. Okay. <laughs> so the Canadian genocide, I'm... I, I feel like people have started to hear about this. I feel like it's not like mainstream news yet, though. It's definitely not. Because I haven't seen it on TV at well, all. Well, it is Canadian, so... It's Canadian. America doesn't really concern So basically, um, in Canada... I'm going to try to summarize this so hard. Um, the indigenous people of Canada, you know, like the Eskimos, the people that have lived there right. since, since before colonial times, have a history of being, like, oppressed, obviously. And this oppression has kind of manifested itself in, um, like, like, murders... Basically, right, like, um, like serial killers that will go after like indigenous people because they know that like the police won't take the like the racial like the racial uh, biased police system won't go after them for it because they're just like Indians basically mm -hmm. in their mind. That's kind of like the idea. And so recently, there was like a three year inquiry where they interviewed like the families of over like one thousand five hundred of, like, the victim and survivor families. Wow. And basically they found that this whole genocide is, like, it's can it's indirectly Canada's fault. Obviously the government wasn't going around. Telling it, people Yeah, it wasn't a government-sponsored, <laughs> but it was government-allowed. Like and they, government, like, it was kind of a showcase of yeah, government neglect. Yeah, they didn't do all that they could have done to protect the indigenous people. They kind of just threw them to the wolves, kind of. Because I know a big topic was a 15-year-old indigenous girl who was in contact with authorities like 24 hours before she died and the authorities just didn't do anything for her. Wow. Yeah. And a big thing that the police do is that they, let me find some direct quotes quickly, which will probably be along, but let's see. Yeah, the one from Beverly Jacobs. Yeah. Um, let's see. So yeah, the prime minister, um, Trudeau, he said that like to the, oh, and this is, by the way, this is like women in, girls this isn't this hasn't really been happening to indigenous males at all just like the females mm. because they're even more discriminated against with than the males we kind of saw that with um the uh, uh social reform movements back in like the 60s and 70s where they got like rights for like the african-americans mm. and then they had to work even harder to get rights for the african-american woman right. because after you get past that first it's still like like, women are, like, doubly biased against, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, so it's really the um, the inquiry gave a list of 231 um, things that the government needs to fix in order to properly protect its indigenous populations. And the prime minister has said that he's going to do everything in his power to do this. I know that they're, um, they're making um, a... Like a, uh, they're they're increasing the indigenous representation. So in local government, that's one of the big things is getting more indigenous people on the police force, getting more indigenous right. people in like local seats, seats of power. Yeah, especially indigenous women mm -hmm. uh, in like um like civil seats um, on like you know town halls and that kind of oh, thing. Oh yeah, it's, give representation to yeah, those give them representation. People. And um, also, they're going to be putting um, indigenous languages on like the same level as like. Uh, French and English, they're two official languages. So that's, oh, that's, that's going to kind of help start to bridge the gap. Obviously, it won't, it'll take time, but definitely. This is, these, these are like good steps to start bridging the gap. Good, like, foundation yeah. stones for the hopeful preservation and. Yeah. I know a lot of indigenous people are excited about um, 
the fact that the government's finally been called out for not right, yeah. representing them properly. Because America just kind of... Mm-hmm. And obviously they're happy that the government's trying to do something about it, but I know like um, a lot of them, like um, like you said earlier, uh, Beverly, Beverly Jacobs um, says that our people have been in a violent relationship with Canada for too long. Um, so a lot of them are still fearful that the government won't take. And there's action. definitely basis in that fear. But oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's well-founded just because yeah. of the history they have mm-hmm. of not, not the government directly killing them, but like just letting it happen it's for neglect. so long. Right. Yeah. yeah. So we'll really see like how that goes. Hopefully, hopefully it works well. Hopefully Canada, you know, is, is good at preserve, preserving that history yeah. of its people. I feel like we had most of our topics with, hopefully that goes well. So <laughs> at some point we'll have to, like, get back to some of these topics. And well, I, I told you I want to get back to the mushroom thing. Yeah, happening. we're going to get back to psilocybin because psilocybin seems to be taking off. <laughs> we'll see. And if it does, we'll, we'll, we'll become your dealers. Can I say that? Legally? <laughs> <laughs> well, Texas legalizes it, then I mean, you know. Yeah, no, you know, you never know. So well, we, we will see how that goes. We'll see how everything goes. Um, we have a minute, Grant. Oh, okay. Minute well, um, sign off. Thank you guys for listening. Yeah, that was a really rough episode. <laughs> that was like... It's fine. It's fine. It's humor. It's comedy. Hopefully you guys... Hopefully you got some good takeaways from that. Um, right. I think, we, I think we delved into the topics pretty yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. If you have any questions or anything, email Grant. I still don't think Grant's got any emails. Not so love the boy out. He's lonely. Um, wow. No, I still get those emails from like Nextdoor and like <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> Anyways, hit him up. Give us topics that you want to see. And uh, we will see you next week. Yeah, I'm Justin Boyd. I'm Grant Grissom. And we're signing off.